How often have you used stress as an excuse to drink? That connection between stress and using alcohol to cope is a strong one. And it takes a lot of practice to separate the two. Here's a secret though. You don't have to drink to de-stress. In this episode, we explore different kinds of stress and all kinds of ways to cope with it. So the next time you're stressed, you'll have some new tools to try. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. In this episode, we talk a lot about finding people you can talk to when things get hard. If you haven't found people in recovery that you connect with yet, we host a free Zoom meeting every Monday night and we would love to meet you. We're not AA or any other program, just a bunch of people who understand the value of connection and recovery. You don't have to do this alone. Check out our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com for more information. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to season two, episode two. So excited to be finally back and doing this with you guys. We are here with Nancy, Mike, and Bill. We're going to do some introductions first, and then we will get on with the show. So, Nancy, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Nancy, and I have been in recovery since March 14th of 2009. So I'll be celebrating 15 years, touch wood, in March. And... You know, it's one of the things that I've, uh, one of the few things that I've stuck with for for this length of time. So I'm I'm pretty proud of that. Well, Nancy, yeah, Nancy, I'm going to interject here and Julie knows why. It's not too often you hear somebody's sobriety date being March 14th because that's mine too. 2021. March 14th. Yes, we are. 2021, March 14th. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. What are the odds of that? God, that's awesome. One in 365, actually. Exactly. (laughs) Pretty good odds. But anyway, it's pretty awesome to, when you said that, I lit right up. I'm like, ooh, 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 I want to say something. (laughs) Uh, So cool. So cool, Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Really excited to get to chat with you tonight. And then next we'll go with Mike. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Mike. My sobriety date is April 22nd, 2010. Um, I live in Cleveland, Ohio. Sobriety is the most important thing in my life today. <laughs> because without it, <laughs> I knew Bill would laugh at that. Because without it, I wouldn't have anything else. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm... 56 years old, truck driver, local guy now. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, I'm super excited to get to chat with you tonight. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. And last but not least, we have Bill. Yeah, uh, my name is Bill, and I've been sober since April 18th of 2010. Actually, I got sober in Cleveland, was back in Wisconsin for a while, but I've been in uh, Indiana for the last year or so based on a family situation. We actually have a podcast also called Sober Not Mature. Got to at least get that out there. Yeah, and sure. uh, 
as as Nancy said, this is the the longest relationship I've ever had in my life. I've almost uh, doubled both of my marriages. Uh, actually, oh, it's be both of my marriages combined. Actually, come to think of it, but um, yeah, this is the I've never owned a car, lived anywhere this long. So um, yeah, this is the the most important thing in my life today. I laugh because that was a that was a thing from the sober living facility that we were in that we used to stay uh, pretty much every day. So. It, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a good place to be, and a it's a good thing a good thing to be doing to be sober. Awesome. So you guys actually you got sober together then, Bill and Mike. Um, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. We were thrown together in the sober living facility. He came down from Wisconsin. I came across town. Yeah, you know uh, the place we went to is called the Ed Keating Center, and it is uh, it's a wonderful place where. You you don't need any money. You don't need anything. You just have to you know have the willingness to try this thing out, and they let you come on in. And uh, <laughs> neither one of us had any other where any other place to go, uh, so we ended up there. Awesome! That's really cool. Well, you guys have known each other for a long time. So we generally schedule very randomly. We've never had two people from the same podcast like this on an episode before, so it's the first time for us. <laughs> Yeah, super cool. (laughs) So one of the biggest craving triggers that everyone has to deal with at some point in their recovery is stress. Stress can come from any area of life. It can show up in an instant and it has a tendency to stick around long enough to really push us around. For years, most of us programmed ourselves to drink as soon as life still felt stressful, convinced ourselves that alcohol was the best way to calm down and relax. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Share some times in your life where stress has been a real struggle. How has it threatened your sobriety? And most importantly, what have you learned about dealing with stress in healthy ways? Anybody is welcome to start and we will just share a conversation. Go ahead, Nancy. Ladies first. (laughs) Well, I was going to I was going to say just so we don't have any dead air, I'll jump in. So I've got kind of an interesting uh, take on on this in that stress usually isn't a trigger for me. It's vacation that's a trigger for me. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's like, you know, I'm supposed to relax and have a good time and I deserve it. And so the biggest the biggest example of that was I was eight years sober. We were on vacation in Washington State. I'd been to a meeting that morning. We were at dinner out of the blue. This craving slapped me upside the head and just, I'd never felt anything that strong in the entire eight years of my sobriety. And, you know, I came this close to going up to the bar and ordering a glass of wine while my husband was at the, in the restroom. And You know, fortunately, I sat there. (laughs) I just sat and did some deep breathing and it passed. But, you know, and then I started texting my sober buddies and and then I was fine. But I haven't had one like that since. And like I said, that was the strongest one I've had and on vacation. And I've been through cancer diagnosis job issues, started my own company, (laughs) 
you know, I've been through a, a lot of stressful things that never made me want to drink. It's wow. vacation that makes me want to drink. I think it's really important for people to hear, too, especially people earlier in sobriety, to hear that cravings do still happen and that they're a normal part of recovery. Oh, yeah. No matter how long you've been sober. We actually had that. That was our topic, I think, just the last recording before this and is that it's normal. It's okay to have cravings. It doesn't mean you're failing. It's just all in, in how you handle it. So good for you for, for sitting through it and breathing through it. I think deep breathing is actually, it's one of those tools for stress that I use. And I always thought it was kind of hokey. Like, you know, like I don't know. I'm, you'd hear people talk about just just take some deep breaths. And I'm like, I don't think you understand my stress. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we must not be feeling the same thing. But honestly, the more I practiced actually doing that, the more effective it got for those like big whooshes of stress that just kind of come over you all, all at once. You know, yeah. my biggest one is is dealing with my teenager and that she has a way of just bringing stress mm -hmm. right up into my life in a very big way. <laughs> but no, breathing deeply and, and take it. For me, it's counting like the, what is it? Se count to seven in, hold for four and breathe out for eight and hold for four. And like, it sounds so silly when, if you've never tried it, no, but it, it's no. actually been really helpful for yeah, me. Yeah, that, that's box breathing, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's it's very powerful. Yeah, it yeah, it actually like really calms good. your nervous system. Yeah, it has. There's like science behind it. It's not all yep. just in your head. Right. I like things that are are scientifically proven. <laughs> <laughs> what about the rest of you guys? What have you done? What have you learned about stress? Or when have you really struggled with it? Well, um, one of the things that, uh, and I, I think this might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't really believe in the word trigger or even the concept of it. And one of the reasons for that is that. A trigger is almost a, a word given to what what we were taught is an emotion, which is just being uncomfortable. Anything can make you uncomfortable, but a trigger implies that something else is going to make me do something, and that's not the case. Nobody's going to make me drink. Nobody's going to throw you know, a bottle of booze down my throat or anything like that, but what I have learned is that when I get uncomfortable, I need to be aware of it. I still am to this day, and thankfully, you know, almost 13, well, 13 years and you know, four months later, it happens a lot. I'm, I'm, I recognize it. And we were always taught simple things like playing a tape through. So take a drink now. What happens? You know, 20 minutes, 24 hours. And, you know, I'm going to lose everything within a, within a relatively short amount of time. And the feelings or the thoughts about alcohol um, happen all the time. And that's the that's been my opinion. And whether I've been 30 days or three years or 13 years sober, it's still something I have to deal with on, on a daily basis. If I'm not doing the work. I'm not doing the things that I need to do. When those things happen, then it's going to sound like a good idea. Then I've got a problem. But the thought coming into my mind, and I'm glad you mentioned that, for anyone who is new to sobriety thinking it's going to go away, it's not. And it, it's not a big deal. And it's my opinion that if if you recognize that it's not going to go away and just recognize that you have to, to deal with it, and, you know, dealing with stress, you know, making a phone call, as Nancy said, deep breathing, I don't necessarily do. The serenity prayer helps. Um, taking a walk. Mike and I were just talking about this on our podcast, I think a week or so ago. All else fails. A lot of times it's later in the day and that the day has piled up on me. Go to bed, you know, and um, it, it's just an opportunity. Read a book, watch a, watch a TV show, listen to music, do anything to sideline whatever that thought is. 
as long as you don't let it sit, it's not a problem. But like I said, I don't, I don't believe uh, in the word trigger and it's just, uh, it's just my opinion. I just believe it's a matter of uh, being, un- being uncomfortable and realizing that we don't need to use that substance anymore to, to relieve that discomfort. Absolutely. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable once in a while. It's called life. <laughs> it's okay. Hey. Yeah. Sobriety is hard work and sometimes it gets difficult. I, I've been through lots of stressful things. One of the, um, you know, with any situation, whether it's stress or, you know, feeling like you want to relieve whatever your problem is, these tools that we've been given to live our lives are the same tools that work for everything. You know, I, I went through some pretty hairy things with my daughter. She had some health issues. I reached out to other people. You know, I didn't, I cannot do any of this by myself. I have to remember that constantly. I have to remind myself constantly that I can't do this alone, any of it, you know, um, and, and I'm a loner and I'm an isolator and I like being by myself most of the time. Quite often I have to force myself to reach out to other people, you know, and, and every time it makes me feel better. So, which is kind of the point of all of this. It was the point of my alcoholism. It's the point of my drug addiction. I want to make myself feel better. I just do it in different healthy ways today. That's all. Yeah. I think talking to people is huge. And one thing that I've realized, there's two different types of stress, right? Like there's acute stress where it's just, it's instantaneous. It, it takes over just for a short time in your life. Like when, when the day is stressful or somebody's frustrating or whatever. And then there's like the the chronic kind of stress where it's just this heavy weight that you're carrying around. And that's, you know, like health issues I know is a big one that it's just, it's a chronic, it's a constant, it's just this weight that you carry around things that can't be fixed and things that don't go away quickly. And talking about those things is really important, but then it's also important to keep talking about them. I have a couple of different things in my life that they're just there. They're going to be there for a long time, maybe forever. I don't know. And sometimes I tend to feel like, well, I've, I've already talked about it a lot. I need to be done. That needs to be enough. And I need to get over it. Right. <laughs> That's just not how it works. And you got to keep talking about it. And most of the time, the people that we have in our lives, I think we're all lucky enough to have other people in recovery that really understand it. But I think it's important to remember that it's OK to just keep talking it out. The things that you're carrying around that are weighing you down, like they're going to crush you. If you don't keep those conversations open and keep talking about it, stuff, you know, like things, will it'll be fine for a while. My relationship with my oldest daughter is terribly, terribly strained, primarily due to my drinking. And it's not something I can fix, right? So it's just heavy and it just weighs on me. And there are days where that comes up and I just want to cry. And those are the days that I still need to talk to somebody about it. Like I'll still call Steve and I'll be like, I'm just upset about this. It's the same thing I've been upset about for two years. And it's cropped up again today. I need to talk about it, you know, and then it'll be fine for a couple of weeks and I'll be okay. And it won't be right in the front of my mind, but then it comes up again. And I think it's just important to recognize that it's okay to keep having those conversations. Like it's not just going to go away because you talked about it once. Right. So right. things aren't oh, going to, you know, some things aren't going to change immediately, but you got to get it off your chest. I mean, one of the biggest, one of my biggest problems was never getting it off my chest and just carrying it around. I call it my, my emotional backpack. It just gets filled up with all of this stuff 
that I don't uh, stress, you know, call that stress. There's a whole bunch of emotional stress that sat on my back until I decided that I, as soon as I talk about it, I seem to get some relief. That backpack doesn't feel near as heavy as it did before. And I don't have to carry it around. I, you know, give it away. For me, talking it out is absolutely huge. I get to give someone else the opportunity to listen to me and I get to accept some help. Like both of those are good. If I don't do that, then I take the opportunity away from someone else to feel good that they they got to listen to me and be a part of my recovery. And that's I think that's one of the beauties of it. There's all of this, okay, I'm going to carry this stress. And for me, a lot of it, it was emotional stress, stress in my relationship, especially in like early sobriety and starting to realize that the relationship that I was in is wasn't healthy. My marriage wasn't near as good as it looked on the outside, but on the inside, it was pretty damaged. And so, you know, I'm carrying the stress from work. I don't want to be there. It's something that's not fulfilling. It's a whole bunch of that stuff. And then I'm carrying the stress of, I'm going to go home and this relationship isn't very good. And, and how am I going to deal with that? And, and so a lot of the times I would talk it out. If I get super emotionally stressed, my body gets cold. I start clamming up and I start shutting down. And I literally just, one of my things is I go and have a bath. I go and I sit down and I lay in there and I have some peace and some quiet. I'm away from everyone else. And I just lay in there. A bath is like my ultimate self-care it's or a hot tub or something like that ask julie right and i'm like yeah steve's obsessed with hot springs now because he discovered them <laughs> in colorado yeah it's like a giant bathtub for it, steve. It, it, it it very much is <laughs> i'm like ah, i'm gonna go there <laughs> but seriously it's 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 what calms me it heats my my body back up and and i calm down and i and instead of feeling the stress like the the intensity of it uh i get to leave a little bit of that in the water per se and i get to straighten my thoughts out a little bit because when they're really messy julie gets it anyways but i reach out i think that there's a couple of different ways and 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 to distract but also if I can take care of it a little bit or get a little bit of a different perspective sometimes on my situation, because my, my perspective isn't always the best. Um, it, it just isn't. So I need someone else to put a different lens on it. So I have a better way of actually dealing with it in a healthy way. Absolutely. Yeah. It's what, you know, it's one of those little slogans, but it's absolutely true. A problem shared is a problem cut in half. Yep. Right. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. And the the one thing that I noticed too, and I've noticed this with a lot of people, is that the the major things, at least for me, you know, a family member dying or some big major thing that happens, those aren't the things that mess me up as much as the little things or have messed up people that we know. We know people that ended up relapsing over a, a flat tire or getting cut off or a rainy day or something like that. It wasn't when, you know, their mom died or a tragic event happened or a relationship like that. Don't get me wrong. People do relapse over those things, but a lot of times it's a little things because people aren't on guard for those. You know, the big things you, you know, you're supposed to reach out to somebody, you know, you're supposed to go talk to somebody and you want to, in a lot of cases to be, if nothing else, 
comforted during that uncomfortable circumstance. But all those little things, if you're not on guard for them and you don't realize that, hey, this is uncomfortable too, those are the things that'll mess you up, in my opinion. That's like the daily maintenance of, you know, recovery. It's what are those little things? What's catching up to me? What's not catching up to me? Just the minor bits of self-awareness that the big things that happen, you're aware of them. Everyone else is aware of them. It's hard for, a, you know, a, a death, even if it does sneak up on you, it's big. And then when it's something, if for me, if it's big... I know I need to do that. It's attached with an action. Like I need to do something about this. I need to talk to it because it's big. Right. And like you said, it's those, it's the small stressors of life that add up and it turns into, it turns into now I'm a little bit stressed. Now I'm a little bit annoyed. Now I'm snippy now, <laughs> right now I'm short with everyone. And then it's like, oh my God, what is wrong with my attitude right now? Right. Well, and how often do all those little things happen and we're like, this isn't a big enough deal that I need to tell somebody about it or this isn't a big enough deal that I even, you know, I shouldn't be this upset about it. I should just, you know, forget about it. Like a flat tire. For me, like I would I would be tempted to just be like, this is not a big like I'd still be stressed. I'd still deal with the flat tire, but I probably wouldn't reach out or or. I would struggle with that at least and try to tell myself this isn't really a big deal. I don't need to bother anybody with this or, you know, even the self-care piece of of dealing with stress. Like I would have a, I would at least be tempted to tell myself it's not a big enough deal that you need to go home and, you know, take a nap or that you need to go home. And, and <laughs> you know, I mean, my, for me, a, lot, a big de-stressor is art. I paint, I knit, I sew, I make things pretty. That's what I do. And when I'm stressed out, I need a paintbrush in my hand or something like that. And for me, it would be like, oh, I got a flat tire. That's not a good enough reason to spend an hour painting. So I just need to get over it and move on. Right. When reality is, I'd be so much better off if I changed the tire, came home and painted for an hour, decompressed and then moved on with my life. Because otherwise, I'm just going to carry it around and I'm going to be grumpy and pissy all day because this thing happened. And it was, you know, not big enough to drink over. But you, you have enough of those little things add up and suddenly it starts getting heavy. You don't even realize it the way that a big thing will smack you upside the head. Those little things just pile up. And if you're not taking care of them one at a time, it can turn into a danger zone really fast. Right. Absolutely. You know, and Steve touched on it. I mean, we've always got to remember that even if it's we don't think it's a big deal or whatever, by reaching out, we're helping someone else to help us. That's a huge part of this thing. You know, we've got to remember that making that phone call to say, maybe they're having a bad day, the person that we reach out to. It's not a big deal to us, you know, I'm, I'm aggravated and blah, 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 blah. I'll just handle it myself. Maybe reaching out to the other person, they're having a bad day too, and it helps them to share their, you know, it's it's important that we continue to reach out. We cannot keep all this stuff to ourselves, any of it. We can't. We've got to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's a huge part of this thing. And, and, that's a bit great way of dealing with stress. And, you know, you're stressed out and somebody calls you for some help. Guess what? Your problems don't seem that big anymore. You take your <laughs> mind out of it, you get out of yourself and you're helping somebody else. That's another huge thing, you know, that like the big book says, you know, nothing ensures our sobriety like, and I'm paraphrasing, like helping another alcoholic, working with another alcoholic. Nothing's going to relieve our stress more than helping someone else with their problem. 
How good do you feel when someone calls you to vent? <laughs> seriously, seriously, how good do you feel? Like if someone picks up the phone and they're like, hey, Mike, I just need to get this crap off my chest. And they just... Initially? <laughs> initially? Yeah. 13 years sober? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. Don't bother me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we swear on this one? We swear on ours. <laughs> I forgot to ask. Nobody mentioned that. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Um. Right. But yes, my initial to this day, and it, it uh, you know, we talk about these things that are never going to go away. That's one of them for me. You know, um, I don't care initially, but I take the action and I help that person. And yes, absolutely. After I take that action and, and engage with this person, yes, my life gets better. I feel better. It's that <laughs> but it's not my initial response because that's not who i am right i'm an alcoholic i'm selfish and self-centered i don't care about other people so i have to work to help other people it's it's a chore it still is it always will be and that's okay too kind of like those cravings they're never going <laughs> to go away <laughs> for me i love it i love it when someone picks up the phone and calls me it makes it helps me feel good about myself. It's it's almost like a sign of respect. Someone trusts me with what's on their heart and on their mind and on their chest. They're giving me their time and they're showing a ton of respect and in feeling comfortable enough to get that off their chest without being judged. And I think it's an honor when someone picks up that phone and they're like, "Hey, Steve, can you just listen?" I'm sure. It happens every once in a while, and and I'll tell you when I'm I'm done being on that on the phone. Sometimes they end up listening to me vent because that's how it happens. But uh, it's it's an honor to me. I it's it's a blessing when someone puts that kind of trust and believes that they're safe when I'm on the other side of the phone or text message or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, text message is easier to easier to hide if you don't feel like talking to him either. But like Mike said, but um, you know, I mean, one of the biggest uh, you want to talk about stress relievers when we've been doing our podcast now for a year and a half, and Mike and I started doing it just just to get together on a Friday night and and just shoot the breeze and talk about recovery. And if anyone listened, great. If they didn't, that's fine. Uh, we've grown. We're not a huge podcast or anything like that, but still. Both of us can have, again, rough days, weird moments, bad moments, all those sort of things. And a lot of times we don't feel like recording that particular night, but, you know, five minutes into the recording, we're cool. And it's a, it's an accomplishment and it is, it's an opportunity for us to, to get this back and forth done sometimes with a guest, sometimes not, but, uh, that's, that's a great opportunity for us to, to vent if you want to call it that in some cases. And we vent a lot. And yeah, we swear, <laughs> we swear a lot. So yeah, I'll, I'll apologize for him because when he dropped those couple, I was just like, <laughs> we, we say it too much, but it just becomes, uh, yeah, we're, we're like, it's like we're sitting in our backyard with, with each other. So that's it's how it's not the our... first time somebody's cursed on the podcast. Not I put these headphones on and I put this microphone in front of me and I forget <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> I'm surprised I wasn't the first one to drop an F-bomb, so. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Listen you to Nancy, just sneak right in there and be like, at least it wasn't me. <laughs> That's right. <It's> funny. <laughs> what are your guys' other stress relievers? 
What if, what if we throw out some ideas for people who are struggling? Like what really works besides reaching out? What else do you guys do to, to just calm down when things are stressful? Well, I mean, one of the most effective things to do, no matter what your situation, you're depressed or you're anxious or whatever, <laughs> and looking at me, well, nobody can see me, but looking at me, you wouldn't think, but you put on a little classical music in your head and you go take a walk. And it's just, it's, it, everything goes away. It really does. You know, it's the music that, that, um, you know, it takes you out of yourself a little bit and the physical activity of getting up and getting off your butt and walking and, and, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, actually doing that is a huge thing. It really is. You know, um, half hour, you're back at your house and you know what, all those problems and that anxiety and, and depression or whatever is gone. It really is. It's some kind of magical thing. I do the same. But for me, it's rage metal. It's not classic. <laughs> but that is very much me. You get some earbuds and, and anything that I can just let. I need somebody like screaming in my ears. But but for sure, that is a, a big help. I know. I'm that's, like <laughs> That's what happened. That's what I do when I'm happy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, taking, taking a drive, I mean, when, when the weather is nice, I mean, there's, I... I used to do it coming home from work quite a bit when a place that I worked that I wasn't super happy with. Again, you know, the windows down, the sunroof open when the weather's nice, just play music that I like. And I used to listen to podcasts too, but every once in a while, it's just, I don't want to take in information. I just want to take in sound, you know, and that in and of itself is is a thing. And for me, I will watch mindless TV. I'll watch a stupid comedy. Again, what I, what I consider to be nonsensical, non-thinking, you know, type of type of TV. I'm not a huge or avid reader, but I've had times when, I mean, if if things really were coming at me, I mean, there was a time in my life our our uncle passed away, and I had to go down and and tell our mom what happened. And I I don't remember why I had my big book with me, but I did, and I I sat down and I read um, for a couple hours or an hour, whatever it was. I have no idea what I read, but that's what I did because I didn't know what else to do. She was a wreck. It was a it was a horrible situation, and I just read the big book. You know, recovery readings, uh, the serenity prayer, anything like that. In the moment, if you're in a place where you just can't walk away, you know, you've already you've always got your brain. You know, recite some of those things in your head, whatever it is, to to get yourself like like Mike said, get yourself out of your head is is basically the point with any of these things. I like funny dog videos on Instagram. <laughs> Like I keep those around just to to have not like it just makes me laugh yeah. and it takes my mind off of whatever. That is like one of my favorite coping tools to recommend to people is find something funny like that that's just mindless. Mm-hmm. That and and useless trashy romance novels because I don't <laughs> have to. Th- I spend so much time reading nonfiction and I like to read classic literature. I like to read things that make me think. And so that that's not the way to take my mind off of stress. If I'm trying to read Dickens, my mind's going to be like somewhere else while my eyes are reading the words, but it can get me sucked into some kind of trashy novel and that'll actually work for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> it does. What about you, Nancy? What you got? Well, uh, Netflix and breathing, really. <laughs> breathing is is my biggest tool that I use. And I'm not a great meditator, but I like, unlike everybody else here, I like the quiet. So, you know, I'll just try to enjoy the peace 
and not and not think, but but I'm learning tools to redirect my thoughts. If push comes to shove, I know that I've got the tools that are going to help me get out of the thought pattern that's creating the the suffering that I'm feeling because you know that's one of the trainings that I've had is changing the trajectory of your thoughts and knowing that our brains will lie to us all day long and so if you can flip the perspective of your thought and look for the gift or the blessing in whatever is happening then that works for me you know being able to look at at things that you know you would normally think are not great news or you know even like even the the flat tire sort of thing maybe the flat tire happened and something worse didn't happen because you were stopped for the flat tire right so there's this fable about a guy has this beautiful stallion and and the stallion wins a prize at in the village and so then because this is a prize stallion then thieves came and steal the stallion so is it a good thing or a bad thing you know is it a good thing that the stallion won a prize or is it a bad thing because now the thieves came and stole it you know and and so this fable goes on and on with all these different scenarios, but that's a really good question to ask. It could be good or it could be bad. Depends on how you look at it, right? And so I know that my thoughts will create a boatload of suffering if I if I let it. You know, and I know that I have the power to change my thoughts about damn near anything. So that's what I try to do. And that's what, you know, if I allow myself to be still and quiet, I can, you know, and I try to listen to my body and listen to what my body's telling me and and go from there. But, you know, I love the idea of walking with, especially with classical music. <laughs> I know. I think that the important lesson here to learn is that what works for one person exactly might not work for another. So try classical music. Yeah, and if that doesn't music. work, try rage rattle. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, try silence. <laughs> um, and eventually, <laughs> right. you'll land on something that works for you. Exactly. And that, that's exactly true because everybody is different. Mm -hmm. And that's why formulas don't always work. You know, they work great on paper, but they don't work very well with human beings. So. Well, it's just like, you have, you have Mike, he's like, no, I don't want to talk to you. His instant reaction. And then he knows he's like, okay, I got to hang on for a bit. And then, then I got to work for it. It's, it, it's, it's true. There's people, it's just like, I don't want to be a part of this right now. But at the same time, like it's, there's, I, for me, I like going for a drive too. Like I already said baths, that's kind of a thing for me, but I like going for a drive, getting out, changing the scenery. I need to like change the scenery. I've never liked quiet so much in my life. Like peace and quiet is wonderful. Getting outside in nature to yeah. the point where if you just sit on a park bench or going for a walk and if I'm out there long enough, I feel like I start to become part of the nature. As in the animals that walk by don't notice you as a threat anymore. They don't run away. They just kind of like 
saunter on by and and you're a part of their environment and there's something that for me is just super relaxing when I'm there I've literally like gone out and laid just in the middle of a trail and it was touching the ground that's brilliant yeah that's touching, brilliant touching the ground grounding actually um being a part of my surroundings yep there is a sense of peace and calm that I get in there. And it takes a little bit. It's not even, I don't, you, maybe you call it meditating. I don't know, but I don't think it is. It's just being a part of it and being outside in the fresh air. And that to me, when, and I've done it, I, I don't do it too often. I'm normally, uh, the shiny side of, of the coin. Like I, I, I definitely see the brighter side of things. I see the good in things. And that's something that is just natural to me. But when things get out of hand, then getting outside is, or trying something new is always seems to work. Yep. Then can we just talk about how animals are so good for de-stressing? Nancy, you actually work with horses, don't you? I do. Okay. Yeah. We we have horses. We have dogs. I have goats. I have chickens. Any of those Ooh. things. Like they're so relaxing. I'm excited to come visit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, no, but I, there is something to be said for that. I mean, if, if you oh, yeah. have a pet, even just, a, you know, a cat, whatever it is, there's something so, like, it, I think it actually, again, with the science, like it calms your nervous system to like sink your hands into s- s- some dog hair or dog fur, you know, and, and whatever. Yeah. So there is something to be said for that, too. I don't know. There are just tons of ways. It's it's all a matter of experimenting. And just, you know, if you can't think of anything, ask other people what they do and just start trying things. I'm always discovering new things that actually serve me really well that I never would have tried before I got sober. Yeah, right. Because before the the only answer was drink. If I was if I felt anything at all, the answer was drink. <laughs> exactly. Most yeah. definitely. Okay, guys, I think I'm going to wrap this up. We talked about a lot of awesome things, a lot of tips for stress, a lot of experiences of emotional stress, the emotional weight that it it ends up carrying. We talked about talking it out and reaching out. That's I think generally speaking the most used way and the most most recommended way, but there is lots of other ways. And we talked about some tips like quit lit, going for a walk, breathing, enjoying the quiet, me having a bath, because that's what I like to do. <laughs> um, music, whether it's classical or rage, and I'm sure there's country people and pop and all of the rest of it, probably dancing. I think dancing's probably an amazing stress, le- stress relief. Mike said it the best, get up and do something. Yeah, right. If we take an action, especially one that's helpful, whether it's talking to somebody or doing something, that's what it's all about is taking an action. I want to say thank you, Mike and Bill from Sober Not Mature for joining thank us you. tonight. And Nancy, thank you so much. It's been a while. Thanks for us. Uh, it's <laughs> been a while to get you on, but it's so nice to have you on. Thank you guys so much. Well, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, we appreciate you guys so much. Yep. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Amazing, guys. Awesome. 
We also want to thank our listeners for inviting us into your day today. We would love to hear what you think of this week's episode. Visit us on Facebook or on Instagram and share your thoughts in the comments.